You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Out of structure. Let's do it. We have time to run walls. If it's first and ten, walls. Any down and distance, I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Welcome, Chiefs' kingdom, to the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. I'm Matt Stagner here with Ron Cobb Jr. And just like a certain rookie defensive end. We are back in the swing of things with another Out of Structure podcast with a lot to talk about, even though not a lot's going on. The Chiefs are wrapping up OTAs and heading into mandatory minicamp. So we finally should see the full squad out on the field shortly. But in the meantime, the rest of the squad's out there playing softball. And Ron, you get to catch up <laughs> on that firsthand. How, how was that? Yeah, you know, it's always a good time to, to watch your favorite football players play a completely different sport and just, just see how it goes, right? Uh, especially when, when the, the best football player is also somehow even better, you know, like uh, in comparison to his peers of a baseball player. You know, Patrick just freaking bombing stuff over the fence over and over. It was hilarious, man. Honestly, it was, it was just so easy. Everyone else, you know, it was... You know, and there were some guys, you know, Tommy Townsend, shout out Tommy. He was bombing some. Um, I want to say Nick Bol- Nick Bolton did get one. Shout out Nick Bolton. He, he, he did put one, he put one over the fence. He was swinging pretty well. I'll give it to Nick Bolton. But, uh, but Patrick was just, just, it was too easy, man. He was putting them in the, in the actual home run place, not, or over the home run fence, not the, just the softball one. He, he was, so he won the home run derby and homeward multiple times during the game, uh, including, uh, did I hear a grand slam as one of those? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, he yeah, he won the home run derby. He was he was yakking there, but yeah, his the offense, it was hilarious. The offense just wiped the floor with the the defense cuz it was offense versus defense. And uh obviously Mahomes kind of led it, but I don't know, is there something here stags to, you know, maybe like offensive players being more skillful, you know, being more kind of, you know, uh hand-eye coordination and defensive yeah. players maybe just being like, hey, you know, athletic hands hair on fire cuz it definitely looked like that in terms of a baseball game. <laughs> you don't get to hit anybody in slow pitch softball. Uh, oh, yeah. So yeah, I think that that may there may be something to that. Also, guys like Mahomes are the reason that most slow pitch leagues have like a a cap on how many home runs you can hit per per inning yeah. or per game, and after that, everybody's out. Uh, I know that's I've, I've had that experience uh, not from my hitting, but from you know leagues I've been <laughs> in. Uh, but yeah, it's a. Uh, I, Mahomes definitely is one of those guys that I think would be the best at pretty much whatever sport you wanted to play in. Yeah, yeah, no, it was funny. They needed to put that home run rule on, on the game so the defense had a chance because it was like 22 to 3 or something. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was ridiculous, dude. It, it was a good time, though. Shout out to MVS. It was a charity event. You know, um, it was it was at the, the, uh, the Monarchs Stadium here in Kansas City, Kansas. Uh, it, it was cool. It was, really, it was a really cool time. Kind of, it was like, and that's the one thing Sags I thought was really cool. I know we're talking a lot about softball, but 
there was a ton of players there, like everyone from, you know, everyone on the 90 man roster. I mean, obviously there were some guys missing, but like, you know, guys that I didn't even realize were on the team were there and, and, and everyone, you know, from the, you know, it, it was, it was awesome. It was cool to see everyone kind of just show up and, and support. Yeah. Sounds like they raise a good amount of money for charity. And this is what the off season should be about in between OTAs and mandatory minicamp. Let's talk a little bit about OTAs though, because it sounds like there are some players and, and not surprisingly before they get it heavily into pads, but some of the skill players are starting to distinguish themselves again on offense primarily. Uh, who are some of the standouts that, that you've been catching up uh, when it comes to OTAs? Yeah, it definitely sounds like, you know, and, and, and it's hard to pick between these two who we want to start with. But, you know, what? I'll, I'll go ahead and start with the rookie, uh, Daenerys Prince, the the running back out of Tulsa, because he made an apparently and, and obviously there's no video. No one no one can can uh, see a replay of it, but apparently made an incredible catch down the field um, in a practice recently, you know, kind of twisting his body and, uh, in, in, you know, with a guy on him in coverage and making a catch above his head. That's 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 pretty interesting, man. I, I, I wasn't expecting to hear that out of Daneric Prince, a guy that seems kind of like, a uh, you know, a, a pretty strong runner in between the boxes. You know, it's going to be pretty explosive, but definitely seems kind of like a traditional kind of just a strong running back. You know, I didn't I, you know, not someone that maybe I was expecting to be, you know, maybe looked at as a receiving threat at all. So that's really cool to hear, uh, you know, that he's doing that because. Man, if he wasn't already making the roster before as that fourth running back, I mean, hearing that he can maybe make some plays as a receiver, too. You know, he, he's, he's pretty much sealing the deal here. I mean, I, I don't see how he doesn't end up on the 53-man uh, after training camp. Yeah, that's big for him. Obviously, his role will be on special teams and as, as a backup running back. But this running back room has to be able to catch the ball and, and pass protect and play on all three downs. It's not, you know, the Tennessee Titans over here. This is a, this is a team that's, that's going to have their running backs in the passing game if they're going to get on the field. And, and you saw last year – they carried plenty of running backs, but uh, who was the guy at the bottom of the charts that didn't get as much play? It's Ronald Jones, who wasn't as much in the passing game uh, as, as the other guys. So I think though there's an opening there uh, that could easily be filled by an undrafted free agent rookie that can play on special teams. And and again, if he's making plays in the passing game, that's that's icing on the cake for him. Well, and, you know, Tobe made the direct comparison to Niall Davis. Uh, you know, I, I compared Pacheco to Niall Davis last year. I thought that was a better comparison. And it, and, and to me, I'm still going to hold uh, hold that because I, I still like it to me. I think Prince might have a little more a little more wiggle, a little more, uh, you know, change of direction. Maybe I think I think the, the direct the comparison with Pacheco and Niall Davis is the straight ahead, maybe a little bit of the rigid movement. So but all that to say is if Tobe is saying that, stags then maybe this is where we're getting our kicker turner you know he i don't think he had much experience in college but that didn't stop them from using sky Moore as a returner last year if they want to find a way to keep a guy on a roster and make him valuable in some way i it would make sense that this is a way that you know maybe he is nile davis in that sense absolutely i cringe a little bit the nile davis comparison i mean he did have that kick return against houston to win the first playoff game for the chiefs in, in a number of years but other than that, there weren't a lot of Niall Davis highlights. There were a fair amount of fumbles uh, and a couple of almost catches that would have been massive in, in Chiefs' uh, lore. But the thing about him, he did have speed. Uh, he was a big guy with speed, and I think that's been the formula for for Brett Veach from day one is he's not necessarily looking for you know uh, the small running back, 
you know, obviously McKinnon's not the biggest guy in the world, but like when it comes to drafting a running back, they definitely look at those, you know, well over 200 pound guys who can run and then they have the tools to develop into an all around player. And I think, I think he was one of the guys right when they signed him in, in the first round of undrafted free agency, we thought he's got a good shot at making this roster and with uncertainty a little bit around Clyde Edwards-Alaire's role, I think there's there's definitely a shot for him to be the fourth running back, and you know maybe could he, could he have a bigger role? We'll we'll see. Well, and there's just not really many running backs on the roster. You know, honestly, Jerry and Ely, you know, he's number eighty something now. He is uh, he was announced as a wide receiver at the softball event. I noticed. I mean, they really only have Lamichael Pirine as the only other running back on the roster outside of the four that we like to talk about. So, yeah, it, it, it's not like there's much competition either. But the other guy I think that that's that seems to be getting the attention is the second year wideout, Sky Moore, who I, I'll have a piece out uh, uh, about tomorrow, kind of looking at his rookie year and how he can improve on it and, and maybe break out in 2023. And this is maybe the first step to that is, is kind of gaining the attention of the media. Right. Um, kind of looking looking apparently on the same page with Mahomes, which is obviously super important um, as as the Chiefs try to develop a receiver for the first time in the Mahomes era. You know, McColl was kind of that first swing. And, you know, Staggs, is, is, can you say it's a swing and a miss? Because he's not on the team anymore, right? He's not this dependable receiver. I, I think you can say a swing and a miss on developing a receiver for Mahomes. This is try number two. And so it's it's good to see the early returns. But this is, you know, it's it's kind of important, you know, that the Chiefs get this right with Sky. Yeah, I think Sky Moore is a really interesting, one of the most intriguing players probably on the entire roster for 2023. Right. Even the way his 2022 season went, sure, he was a little bit buried on the depth chart, and this is a Super Bowl team, and he's a rookie, and Andy Reid's offense. There's there's lots of excuses there. But what was frustrating to watch was it was a lot of struggles, at least it appeared from our point of view, mental struggles when it comes to a receiver not being in the right place at the right time. That is huge for this offense. If he's managing to to master that part of it, really the the sky is the limit. Uh, pun intended. I mean, he's gonna he could help a, yourself. He could. I couldn't. Uh, he could have a monster year this this season. There's all kinds of opportunity available for him. It's just a matter of is he going to be able to fully integrate within the playbook, be ex- exactly where he's expected to be, and get on the same page with Patrick Mahomes. And it sounds like. The early returns are positive, which is it's a pretty exciting development overall. Yeah, I know it is because the receiver position right now, in terms of again, like the development, you know, in in the Mahomes era, you know, we've we've just haven't seen them turn a draft pick or even any undrafted free agent. You know, we've seen it at other positions. I mean, I guess maybe Byron Pringle. Can we maybe give them credit for turning Byron Pringle? Um, that was in the Veach era, I believe. I think he was an undrafted free agent, um, twenty nineteen. Sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, and and, and Stags' tone uh, says it all right there. So they really haven't turned, you know, other positions on this team. They've been able to, you know, turn, you know, an undrafted free agent or a late round pick or just something into, you know, a, a player maybe worth paying. Right? You know, we we have those examples all over this roster. Um, at the receiver position, just it, it, it hasn't been there. You know, they've had to bring on already established players at the receiver position. So. Yeah, you're, I, I think you you hit it you hit it on the head at, at, at first. You know, he really is one of the most intriguing players on this entire roster to kind of watch and see how he grows and develops. Because if 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 
if he doesn't grow in the same kind of way that McColl couldn't grow throughout his four-year rookie contract. Obviously, they just drafted Rasheed Rice, too, so that's that's try number three. But, man, at some point, they got to get this right or, you know, this Mahomes contract is going to, you know, come back to bite him or not come back to bite him, obviously, but just hamper them, right? Because if they're not developing receivers, then where are they getting, you know, they're not, they can't pay people, you know, people like they used to. Yeah, you don't want to be in an Aaron Rodgers situation from Green Bay where they just, you know, have a lack of talent at wide receiver. The Chiefs are obviously very committed to investing at the position. Uh, they're they're dropping second round picks and and decent sized contracts to receivers every year. So I think there's there's not a lot of worry on my end that they're not going to have competent wide receivers around Mahomes. But it would be such a home run to have some of these second round type receivers really hit, and I mean hit in the perennial thousand yard type receiver way in the future. We'll talk about expectations for this receiver room in just a minute, but I think there's there's a real opportunity here, and it could be, uh, again, a very, very positive thing for the roster management, for the cap management, for the continuation of this offense. If Sky Moore is that guy, and then Rasheed Rice maybe is a is another one uh, this, this year next year. Other standouts from OTAs real quick. Speaking of receivers, seems like we're hearing a lot of good things about uh, Marquez Valdez-Scandling of uh, softball fame. Um, it sounds like he's – getting on the same page with Mahomes, the timing is looking good. Is that fool's gold? Because it was that way last year in the preseason as well. Well, I mean, you know, fool's gold to what extent? Because he had, you know, what turned out to be a pretty average season uh, for him. I mean, he ended up fifth in the NFL in yards per catch. Uh, you know, he had almost 700 receiving yards. Um, I guess, you know, you know, we, they were, there was talk about him being the number one wide receiver, and that didn't come to fruition. But I, I could see it, you know, being the case this year. I think, you know, just another year with having the the reps, the muscle memory with Mahomes on some of those intermediate routes, right? We we know he's got the deep vertical routes down. Although I say that, you know, there was there was a few times when they they could not hook up on those vertical routes because I think, you know, we, we saw it, right? Some short arm or or maybe throw it too long. There really is something too, just having a muscle memory with a guy, like knowing his stride, knowing you know where he's going to be with his speed. And I think another year of that. Uh, hopefully that helps uh, a few of those, a few more of those connect. Cause I mean, we did see a few of those uh, missed opportunities last year with MBS. Yeah. I mean, I think he's, he's certainly going to be the veteran presence. The, and, and ironically given MVS, who seems like a high variance type player, ironically, he's going to be the dependable guy in the room next year. Uh, yeah, right. So he's going to be the one constant with a lot of uh, uh, really high upside players around him. And so it'll be, He'll be dependent on, and he he came up big for in the uh, uh, AFC Championship game, obviously, and so he's shown that he can do it. Otherwise, he's performed exactly as as you would have expected him to. Hopefully, this is a step forward. Uh, have you heard any other players really standing out in in OTAs so far? And, and there's only so much you can take from that type of uh, program. Yeah, no. I, one of the funnier themes of of OTAs, uh, a mini theme, was is, is everyone talking about Brian Cook? You know, I, I think I'm I'm excited for him. I I, I wrote about him last week uh, as a potential breakout player. You know, a potential starter in the in the secondary next to Justin Reed. But the thing is 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 he's a confident dude, I guess, and and it's a funny way of of, of how the guys have been putting it. You know, Spags was asked about him, and he. And he was like, yeah, you know, he's 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 one of those guys that, you know, right or wrong, he's going to be vocal. You know, he, you know, he, he might be wrong, but he's going to tell you, you know, he's going to tell you to your face and say it loud. And I think Nick Bolton said, if if 
if he's 100% wrong, he's going to convince you he's 100% right. It just cracked me up because it's like these, these are compliments. They're saying Brian Cook is a self-confident guy that believes in what he's you know thinking and what he's doing. And that's really important, obviously, in football. Right. So you can play fast. Uh, you don't have to think as much. But it's just hilarious because they're all kind of obviously, you know, as a rookie, you probably got a, a few things wrong, but was loud about it. Right. But, uh, you know, you, you do love to hear that. You know, you, you want your safeties to be vocal. Um, I love that Spag shouted that out. And I am excited about Brian Cook, man. I think he's got that safety swagger. Man, you saw some of the, you know, some some playmaking last year, uh, you know, around the ball. To, uh, obviously, the AFC Championship play is the best one. But, uh, yeah, Brian Cook, I'm excited for. Nazi Johnson, though, I, I'll shout him out, too, because Tobe did call him the best gunner in the league uh, towards the end of last year as a rookie seventh-round pick. Um, Tobe, Tobe loves to do that. I think we, we heard that about uh, LeMond's, uh, you know, not too long ago as well, Chris LeMond's, who's no longer with the team. Stags. Nazi Johnson, are we just are you, are you sharpieing him in? Are we uh, are we are we laminating it? <laughs> you know, he's a good bet for for the roster this year, and I think there's room for him. I think one of the other podcasts this week talked about how this defensive back room might be pretty close to set. I believe it was the editor show when our guys said, "Hey, if you if you had to list off the corners from one to six today, you could pretty much lock them in and say that yeah, Nazi Johnson mm-hmm. is on. Uh, he's a special teams guy, and I think." This year's seventh round rookie Nick uh, Jones is going to be the next guy who's kind of in that same uh, uh, in that same mold. So if you put those uh, put those two guys at the bottom of the list and and the rest of the room is pretty well set, I think you've got a good cornerback room. Um, Nazi Johnson, you know, I, I wasn't sure if, as far as what we'd see from him on defense this year. Obviously, the Gunner thing is well, that was a huge quote. Whenever he says that, you can pretty much guarantee he's going to make the roster. Will he contribute on defense? It sounds like he's making some plays in the passing game during OTAs, at least enough to say, hey, if you have a couple injuries, he's a guy that could fill in. So uh, so I think his, his outlook is, is pretty bright. Uh, I don't know if it's Sharpie yet, but it's at least, you know, uh, pencil uh, bordering on pen. Yeah, no, Nazi Johnson is interesting because he he started, he was labeled as a safety when he was first brought in, even though he was kind of a slot corner at Marshall. Um, but then in, uh, by the end of training camp last year, he was playing more outside cornerback. And, and so I imagine, I think he's still maybe going to be an outside cornerback for this team. Not that it really matters, uh, you know, uh, until he actually has to play defense, but the only other note I'd have, um, talking about the DBs, uh, I heard Spags mention that Nick Jones was working in the slot for them. So, uh, the seventh round pick, you know, Legereus Seed and McDuffie are the first two slot guys, but after that, you know, there there isn't that third slot guy, uh, you know, maybe that they had last year, like a Rashad Fenton before he was released would have been that guy maybe. So just kind of interesting, you know, slot, you know, being a slot capable player makes you more valuable. So that, that could allow uh, Nick Jones to, to, you know, confirm his spot on the team. Well, the other big news of the last week or so has been around defensive end Frank Clark. And we all assumed, and, and obviously Chris Jones was lobbying for it, that he would be a logical guy to add back to this roster, given how young they are at the defensive end and the edge position and how successful he's been as a Chiefs career, as part of his Chiefs career and as a, as a leader here. Now, he was released this offseason, and it's not super common for you to re- release a player and immediately sign him back before the next season starts, especially when you take on some dead money for, for letting a guy go. But it still felt a little bit surprising when Frank Clark signed with the Denver Broncos of the AFC West. Um, what do you think about that decision? you think that's a, a, 
a shock or a hit to the system. It seems like after the fact there were some people saying, oh, yeah, and Frank himself said, yeah, he knew he was, was not coming back. Yeah, and he obviously wanted to come back. I be- I truly believe the reports we all saw and talked about last week or last time we were on here <clears throat> that, you know, he was trying to get back. But, you know, I, I there is something here that, like you kind of mentioned, you know, once you cut ties, you cut ties. I think, you know, Frank did a lot for this organization. Um, but at, at the same time, you know, this team does need to get younger. And not only does that mean just having younger players at the position, but it also means letting those younger players play snaps, right? And and a guy like Frank Clark, you know, it, it's gonna be you're gonna find you're gonna be hard pressed to take him off the field. Obviously, he's always had his you know his his physical issues, uh, but just in terms of when he's playing, you know, he's not necessarily the guy that that might that might end up being a you know a, a super uh, minimal rotation guy, right? Yeah, he, he's just a guy that'll probably you know warrior his way into playing, you know, no matter what. And then it's just. You know, at some point you do have to to kind of hand it off, you know, uh, turn the keys over. And, you know, I think at some sort of price, maybe later in the offseason, if Frank really was still there by when training camp opens up, you know, I think, right, maybe it makes sense to just say, you know, bring him in and, and just see how it works and see, you know, see what happens if it's a low risk kind of thing. But, you know, I think they're comfortable with what they're what, what they have. And I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing that they didn't feel pressed to bring Frank Clark back. In some ways, you could look at it like the defensive back room last year when they got rid of Rashad Fenton and went with basically a, a full set of rookies on the back end of the defense. You could say they're going that young on the defensive line, on the edge position over the next uh, next coming season here. Yeah, no, I, that's the thing is, is it's fun. It's in, it's exciting, right? We've all we've all been asking for it. We've been asking for, you know, these these first round, you know, investments at, at positions of of value of, of, of need, like the edge rushing position, you know, they haven't had, you know, that, that big pick, you know, they've had their Tom Bahalis or Justin Houston's in the past, but, you know, haven't had that, that big pick lately. You know, they got Frank Clark from free agency. Um, You know, Chris Jones, obviously defensive tackle, you know, they've kind of been, uh, he's kind of been heading the pass rush. So, you know, it's exciting to see these guys kind of get their opportunity to get the runway. And and like you mentioned at the top of the show, Felix is back in the swing of things, uh, according to Andy Reid. So he's, he's, Sounds like he'll be healthy and, and ready to roll the rest of the offseason. And then, and, you know, and and, you, and all that, and you, and you kind of forget, you know, about maybe a guy like Charles Omenehu who, you know, is going to be able to bring some stuff to the to the room in an interesting way. So this room is interesting, man. You know, it, it, it's highlighted by the young guys, but, you know, there's there's a few other guys here that that bring certain skill sets that kind of round it out. Yeah, they're not devoid of veterans. Now, they, they did last year go out and add or, or bring back two specific uh, veterans when you've got – Dunlop and Clark coming in those are that's two holes that you have decided to fill this year with Omenahu who's going to be an inside outside player and and who else I mean it's, it's young players after that so there's some veteran presence there but it, it, not so much as a full-time defensive end right yeah no he's he's one guy that like he's a veteran because he's been in the league for this is going to be his fifth season but he's a guy that they sign knowing that they have some work to do in terms of getting his full potential so it's kind of a you know funny thing there where he's they they, as much as they have the the second and the first year players to develop they also have this fifth year player that they want to develop into something more than just a situational pass rusher that can beat up guards right you know i think that's what he kind of is right now and and mike dana is always just going to be that solid glue guy um, rounding out that group. So, yeah, yeah no, I, I go ahead. I can see why people would be concerned with this room at this point, right? So, if you were to put the depth chart together today, 
the top of that depth chart uh, for defensive end for edge is George Karloftis in his second season, who was mm-hmm. a guy that we knew was limited, but had a really good rookie year. Then you got Mike Dana, uh, the rookie Felix, and then uh, Charles Aminahieu, who's going to be, you know, part-time inside, part-time outside. And then after that, you're relying – so that's four. After that, you're relying on B.J. Thompson, the rookie, or uh, Joshua Kando or Malik Herring coming back from the past couple seasons where they have been the developmental guy that's been carried around. So are you happy with that room at this point? Because I think I could make a pretty strong case that you'd want to add maybe Carlos Dunlap at this point uh, or some other veteran in a similar mold to round out this room unless you're just really – over the moon about uh, FAU and BJ Thompson's development at this point in the game. Well, it, it, if you look at, if you actually directly compare, you know, the pass rush group, edge rush group, I should say specifically from this year to last year at the, at the moment, you had George Colotis and Mike Dana, the two similar ones. And first of all, yeah, they have four defensive ends that are really kind of the, the true rotation players. And then they'll have, two other defensive ends on the 53-man roster, one of them likely to be inactive on most game days. The other, you know, play sparingly on Malik Herring, kind of, you know, just eat up snaps. He was kind of that guy last year, that fifth defensive end. But it's really a four-man rotation that that the Chiefs, you know, feature in their defense. Last year, that four-man rotation was Carlotis, Dana, and then Frank Clark and Carlos Dunlap. This year, you, re- you replace Frank Clark and Carlos Dunlap with Felix Enrique Ozama and Charles Omenehu. I mean... It's a pretty, pretty, pretty close, close comparison, I'd say, because you like the juice you get with Felix. You may not get the same run defense, right? Frank Clark is going to be a, a, you know, a better run defender, which this this group may lack. But in terms of the juice you get as a pass rushing group, you you may have improved there, honestly, in terms of the juice you get on like a pass down. I don't know. Yeah, I would argue long term, no question. I'm highly optimistic that they have improved in the short term. Until I, I think it's really. And maybe I'm just being hung up on Felix's injury at this point. But until I see him on the field, uh, it feels like you've replaced those two full-time edges with a part-time edge, part-time tackle, and a rookie who's injured. Like that, phrased that way, it sounds much worse than, than when you think about the upside kind of a multi-year. Yeah, and 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 the thing with Dunlap, and Omenahu, you know, if you kind of make them the two kind of like swap for each other, you know, Dunlap, he wasn't necessarily, you know, he was eating up snaps and kind of being solid more than he was like being this featured pass rushing guy. At least Omenahu is going to give you that ceiling to kind of be, you know, be featured um, in that way. And then Felix in the same way is kind of is kind of in the in the same way. So I think in some ways they've improved as a pass rushing group, but you're right. I think in the immediate future, they may lack some of that, you know, hey, just a guy that's going to play stout on the edge and, and not let, you know, a run, you know, or not let a tight end blow him up or an offensive tackle blow him up off the ball, that kind of thing. They are missing a little bit of that. Um, and so that's where you may get concerned and want a guy like, you know, whoever the the free agent is out there. But that's where maybe they, they trust Malik Herring, too. This guy's been in the program for three years. He's he's a he's a betweener. He's a tweener, right? He's six, three. Uh, 275 at his pro day, um, but I think he plays more in the 280s at this point. He's a, he's a bigger dude, man. So, I don't know. Malik Aaron's a guy I, I've been touting since the day they got him. Um, as a guy that, again, could just, just be a, a quality guy and, and maybe round out the room and give him some of that, that that they could be missing. It does feel like it's almost now or never for Herring and Kingdo. This team's going to continue to draft and develop at the position, and they're either going to be part of that rotation or they're going to be passed over 
for for somebody like FAU and, and BJ Thompson. So it, it'll be interesting to see how that room plays out. Uh, whether BJ Thompson ends up being a, a you know a factor this year, or he gets that redshirt developmental path uh, for the next season, uh, it's hard to tell. But this got me thinking a little bit about who some of the most irreplaceable players on this Chiefs roster are. Obviously, I, I'm going to just throw out Mahomes, Kelsey, and, uh, and Chris Jones. But looking at the edge position, has George Karloftis ele- elevated himself to the point where he's one of the more irreplaceable players on this roster? Because if he's not there, that room looks a lot different with a lot more part-time players in it with him being the one ex- now with a year of experience under his belt, full-time edge, has Karloftis elevated himself to to a, a fairly irreplaceable spot on this on this roster? I, I think I think there's a great argument uh, to be had that you're right, and just in terms of he has become yeah one of the most uh, indispensable players uh, because of the fact that he leads that group. He's probably the best run defender. You know, Dana probably I guess Dana probably may may still have it on him, but. Yeah, that's the thing with Carl Loftus. I'm excited to see about this year is how much has one year and and, and uh, you know another year of strength and, and weightlifting and putting on at his age, you know, in the prime of his you know of his uh, athletic age. You know, I, I think just getting even stronger um, after being a pretty strong player already. But I think you got you're on to something now. I I I want to throw out the fact that I think Dana has an argument to even be Mike Dana has an argument to be in that same conversation because like I just mentioned with kind of the run defense. And and you've been and we've been talking about this, right? These guys are part-time players, maybe uh, you know, not all part-time players, but just situational guys that maybe are going to do better in, in in pass rushing situations more than they are, you know, taking on you know a, a, a head of steam block, you know, downhill. And Dana's the one guy that has kind of that nastiness, that bulldog in him to really, you know, to really uh, take some of that out. Karloftis obviously does too. Um, I just think Dana's been in it more. He's kind of the vet too. I think Karloftis still obviously is going to have some growing pain still in his second year. And so I just I think you could make the argument that Dana too would would be a huge loss if either of them I think I think just either of them go out you're, you're kind of really thinning out your defensive end room and that is the argument for for a move to be made. Yeah, Dana just feels like somewhat of an invisible player to me. Like he's <clears throat> it's not that he doesn't make plays, but you know I couldn't tell you I know he missed some games last year, right? But I couldn't tell you which games they were when he was on the field or off the field. He's a he's definitely a workman type. Uh, Cog, you know, somebody that, that can eat up snaps, that can play against the run. You know, he'll give you some some pass rush, especially on the inside. But he he's a little bit of a forgotten man, I think, uh, on that line a little bit. So maybe underestimated by by myself and other fans. Uh, which again, the the irony of me saying Karloftis is indispensable after uh, the takes I had on him last right. year. Uh, you know, I, I still think Karloftis is a limited player. He's just been very solid. Uh, and he's and he's your clear starter at this point. There's a lot of uncertainty after him as you go down the roster. Yeah, no, there really is. I mean, that's the thing. It's that rookie class last year is 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 a lot of what this this young core is right now. It's moving forward. You know, I think the year before, Nick Bolton, Creed Humphrey, and uh, you know, was it was it Noah Gray in that class as well? Um, you know, that that was a, a very solid group, right? But this last class, this last year, is more voluminous. And we're already seeing a lot of the good returns, but they really are carrying kind of this 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 wave of of youth movement going forward. And and Karloftis is is, is kind of heading that group on the line. Uh, crazy enough. Anybody else who you think is completely 
irreplaceable when it comes to this depth chart. I think one of the benefits of the way they've drafted and developed this team over the last couple of years, I feel like there's enough depth at most positions to absorb an injury or two. I think, you know, you look across the offensive line, you can say Creed Humphrey is the best center in the league. And, and at his age, if they were to lose him, you know, obviously you'd take a step back, but do you, do you think that they would take a big hit? Like you think, you think people would notice if Nick Allegretti was a center between Trey Smith and Joe Tooney and uh, with Patrick Mahomes behind him, do you think that even the best center in the league would be irreplaceable on this team? Yeah, it's a it's a good point because the thing I've always admired about uh you know Andy Reid, I guess since he got rid of Mitch Morris, is that he's been able to just develop undrafted free agents and six seventh round picks at guard and center and just not even worry about. It. I mean, Austin Ryder won this team a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, not didn't win the Super Bowl, but he was know. solely responsible. Yes, here, he brought it to Kansas City. Yes, <laughs> uh, no. So I, I I'm with you. I think another guy though to throw out would be Justin Reed. Um, I just touted Brian Cook. I'm excited about him. I'm excited about the safety group. But we know how important the safety position is to Spags and his defense, the way he plays, the way he calls plays. And I think Justin Reed is going to be a huge part of that this year. We saw it down the stretch last year. It's actually something he talked about recently. I wrote it up for the site. He really felt comfortable in the defense. Uh, he mentioned like week 14, week 15 last year. And I know it's it, it's hard to remember at this point, but but in the moment, even we were all seeing Justin Reed play better after that thing. I after that point, I remember saying it because I was on him all year. He blocked me on Twitter because of it, apparently. Uh, so I, I I I was on him, and I remember down that stretch, he turned it around. I really think he has the versatility, the size, and the speed. He can play a lot of different positions on the field. So he's going to be a really important chess piece for them this year. But if he's not, if 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 he would were to get injured. I think you're talking about a lot of inexperience with Brian Cook, Mike Edwards, first year in the system, and then you're talking about a rookie and Deion Bush. Who Deion Bush, obviously a nice veteran to have in in, in that instance, but uh, but I think Justin Reed's a big, big one too. Yeah, the other one I would I would argue at this point, barring any last minute surprise, DeAndre Hopkins sightings in Kansas City, the Chiefs have put a lot of eggs in the Kadarius Tony basket and, and mm-hmm. calling him their wide receiver one and saying he's got all this upside. There's a there's a lot riding on his success this year, and his success is always riding on his health, right? So you could argue that he might be one of the most irreplaceable players on offense and simultaneously one of the players on offense most likely to have to be replaced because he gets injured. So it's not, not the best combination, but Kadarius Tony is – there's a lot riding on him. Yes, he is apparently a wide receiver one in some in some eyes of of national media members, which you know I get. That's always going to happen, but I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, I, I do think he's he's a guy that if he does go down, a guy like Richie James, you know, I think we'll talk about him maybe a little later. But you know, I think he has a similar skill set at the bottom of that receiver depth chart. I think Sky Moore can do some of the things that Tony is asked to do. Um, maybe yeah. not to the same wiggleness, but. Because Tony can wiggle, Sky can't wiggle that that well. I, I will say, <laughs> Sky 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 doesn't Sky doesn't be juking guys out of his shoes like like Tony does. But. This is why the people tune in to listen to Ron Cobb Jr. talk about words like wiggleness. Yeah, wiggleness. Um, yeah. Hey, at this point, let's uh, let's take a quick break. Let's hear from our sponsors. <laughs> uh, we'll come back with some more of your questions from Twitter. Definitely a lot more wide receiver talk. Bring up an interesting question that I happen to see 
on Twitter. And you're going to see a trend here of us stealing great ideas from Twitter because that's that's how we roll. There's a question posed out here that is, if you had a time machine, you got the DeLorean, and you're able to go back and change one play, the outcome of one play in Chiefs history, uh, what play would you change? And this is a question posted by Chiefs Kingdom Live. Uh, and, and there's a lot of good responses out there on Twitter. There's some obvious ones out there. But when we come back, Ron, I want to get your take on what play would you change? What one Chiefs play would you change if you could? More after this. Stick with us on the Out of Structure Podcast. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we're back. Thanks for hanging out with us on the Out of Structure Podcast. Again, I'm Matt Sagan. You're here with Ron Cobb Jr. And I just posed this question that we found from Chiefs Kingdom Live on Twitter. If you could go back in time, Ron, reverse the outcome of one Chiefs play, what are you changing? Man, there are some very obvious answers here. Recently in the Mahomes era, if we really wanted to, you know, extend the dynasty. I think, I think though, it, to be serious, the best answer for this is that play right before halftime in the AFC Championship against the Bengals where he throws it to Tyreek short of the goal line, he gets tackled, no timeouts left. If they either kick a field goal there, or, and I actually wouldn't even say that. If they just score a touchdown there, they don't mess up the play. It was just a dumb play. Um, it was a dumb throw. I should say it was a dumb decision by Mahomes. It, and, and that game itself, I mean, you could take the play at the very end of that, the regulation where he has Pringle and Kelsey back-to-back open. Oh, my God, I'm getting upset all over again. Uh, yeah. So you could take that play too. Um, but I think that's the most obvious answer, but let me give an Alex Smith Eric answer. And that would be, everyone remembers it. Steelers at, at home in the playoffs, divisional round about to tie it, or we did tie it up 18 to 18, but Eric Fisher gets called for holding because James Harrison slipped and then did not, they did not convert it. And then we continued our arrowhead curse and it sucked. And I hated that. And so it would have just been nice to, to win that game, even though we did draft Mahomes that next year. And maybe we don't draft Mahomes if they win that game and go to the AFC championship. So those are my, so, so very smart people on Twitter rightfully pointed out the butterfly effect. that if you go yeah. out and start changing some of these things, there's a lot of things that could have gone differently. And, you know, a lot of people didn't want to change the, the other, the really obvious by the D forward offsides play because maybe Bob Sutton sticks around after that. Maybe they don't get Spagnola. <laughs> maybe they don't, you know, there's a lot of things that could have, uh, could have gone differently. 
depending on how some of those specific plays played out, especially in the playoffs, everything's magnified. Everything is historic. You know, Um, I do think you're talking about that painful Bengals AFC championship game. And I think that was, that's an interesting one because that team was dominant in the regular season. And because this was the team that was not quite as dominant in the regular season. This was not the run it back season, right? The run. Yeah. The run it back season was good. They went 14 and two or whatever. The 2021 season, the year after, was when they played like crap for like the first half of the year. Third and goal at the nine. Mahomes takes another sack, fumbles. Then they had to kick a field goal to tie it. I mean, in what other scenario would you expect Mahomes not to score a a game-winning touchdown uh, with time left on the clock, sitting at the four-yard line, second and goal? I would bet nine times out of ten you get a touchdown in that scenario. And in this game, when they had to have it, uh, back-to-back sacks, couldn't get it done, threw an interception, uh, you know, in, at the end of the uh, – um, or sorry, in the beginning of overtime, uh, that – there was a handful of plays there that you could call back. But I, I would I would say one of those sacks at the end of regulation, don't even give them the chance to get into overtime and to blow that one uh, and send the Chiefs right back to the Super Bowl there. Yeah, no, I think that's the the best answer for sure. Because if you get them to the Rams there, I think I think the Rams were were pretty lucky to get the Bengals in that Super Bowl. Um, the Bengals are a way better team now than they ever were, uh, you know, in that run. And so I think the Chiefs could have took out the Rams, Super Bowl champs, three out of four years. That would have been pretty nice. That would have been pretty nice. But. Yeah, I couldn't think of any one play that would have turned that uh, Buccaneers game into a, a yeah. victory. You're uh, reaching if you if you can find one. You're reaching because there was so much that went wrong that day. So they were they looked completely outmatched, and everybody talks about the offensive line, but there was there was a lot of other. The receivers were not getting open. The uh, the the defense you know wasn't getting the, the stops they needed to get. Uh, the, you know the Bucks linebackers were just absolutely dominant, not just their their pass rushers. So there was there was a lot that going against them in that game, but, but yeah. Of course, you can go back in time and reverse some like balls or epic lapses. Give them one game, you know, uh, the, in the the biggest comeback in playoff history, or right. some of those plays you could you could you can see there. But I think for this era of the Chiefs, I think we agree that Bengals second half is really the big regret that you probably have. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. All right. Well, let's let's have some questions. Uh, you know, the Bengals. Grab this one from Kate W Podcast on Twitter. Do the Chiefs actually need an all-star receiver when they have Mahomes, Kelsey, and Andy Reid? Do they really need a, a, a star receiver? Again, I, I'm assuming this is part of the DeAndre Hopkins conversation. Do they even need a top 15 defense, uh, given the fact that the Bengals? had a chance to win last year and, and couldn't get it done against this team. So I think it brings up an interesting point here is that we all want to have Mahomes with elite receivers and an elite defense. Could they still get it done even if they don't accomplish either of those last two roster upgrades this year? Well, absolutely, because when you have Patrick Mahomes, you're, you you can win a Super Bowl. I mean, it's just as simple as that. Um, but, no, I, I do think I do think I like – the fact that they're not trying to 
get the all-star receiver at this point in his career at the beginning, right? They, they, they did supply him with plenty of, of weaponry around him. They, they went out and signed Sammy Watkins to, uh, in his first year starting. They went out and, and acquired Juju Smith-Schuster or MVS um, as guys w- once Tyreek left. Um, and obviously they had Tyreek Hill just to begin with, you know, now though, once the, once Mahomes is at this point in his development where he should kind of be, you know, the receiver should be more dependent on his success than he is uh, dependent on the receiver's success. And I, I, I believe that's where you get translated here that get young, get, get, uh, you know, youthful at the position. That's what they're doing with Sky Moore, Rasheed Rice. And I think you're going to continue to see them uh, invest at the receiver position in the draft. And I, I think that the way you let them develop is not getting 30 year old receivers that are just going to take up snaps and, you know, Hey, if they make if they make us some plays that are going to end up in a you know with the Super Bowl, that's awesome. But there's an argument to be made that they can still get to that point without that pl- you know that that player making those plays, even if you know the players they have aren't as good as that player. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I think the short answer would be: Can Mahomes get it done without? Yes. Would it, is it easier right. and more fun <laughs> potentially with elite players around him? Absolutely. Um, let, let's move on to talk a little bit more about wide receivers. So there was a hot take on Twitter from a guy who's not necessarily a hot take guy, Peter Schrager, who's plugged in with the Chiefs, a uh, big proponent of the Chiefs when it comes to the national media, threw out his breakout wide receiver candidates. And one of the guys he had listed there was Justin Ross, um, which is surprising to see on a national reporter – Obviously, Chiefs fans can get excited about Justin Ross, but to see a national reporter call him a legitimate breakout candidate, first of all, I want to talk about what breakout candidates actually mean. Um, But also, while we're still on Twitter questions, Zach Eisen put out this question, of these four Chiefs wide receivers, who's going to have the most receiving yards in 2023? Rasheed Rice, the rookie, Justin Watson, Richie James, or Justin Ross. So let's start there, and then let's talk about what breakouts actually look like. Rice, Watson, James, or Ross, who you got this year for the leading receiver after the leading receivers of the Chiefs? It's tough, man. This is a really tough, tough one. There's arguments you've made about three of the four, in my opinion. Um, and, and just real quick on the on the Peter Schrager tweet, just it's important to note who else he put on the, the breakout list he yeah. had. He had Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Drake London, three guys that won the first round last year, which you could make an argument. Two of those guys already broke out. So it might, yeah. I think Schrager needs to, to learn his definition of breakout. Uh, <laughs> Ty- Tyquan Thornton, uh, who was a second round pick last year, and then Justin Ross. So it's not like he just, it was some like name, uh, you know, this some like far out, like, you know, he was trying to call a shot sneakers. on a bunch of guys. Yeah. These were right. So yeah, it's just important to note that. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I do think, uh, I do think right here with the receivers, you know, if, if I wanted to trust one guy here, I think I'm going to trust a guy that they've invested in the most. And, and that is the rookie, right? Rasheed Rice. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm a guy that is a little skeptical of how much he can play um, in comparison to like guys like Sky Moore and McCole Hardman in the past, because Rice does not have the returning ability. It's not going to be used on jet sweeps or that jet sweep motion, just as that decoy to just get on the field, you know, like McCole was at times and, and Sky was. Um, and so that might limit his opportunities as a rookie as he's trying to fight for snaps behind. There's already going to be, you know, uh, the three receivers ahead of him plus Kelsey. 
that said, again, he's the most invested in guy. He 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 does model his game after DeAndre Hopkins. He said it himself. He does kind of maybe have that uh, that bigger bodied ability that they might be missing right now. And now that Juju's gone too, um, I, I I think there's a chance that if he just impresses, he he could slide into some of the things that Juju was doing last year, and and uh, you know that could be good. So I, I think there's I think I would bet on him just because he's the guy that you know is probably going to get the biggest opportunity because of who you know where he was drafted and who he is. Yeah, it really does feel like the chiefs realized that they weren't going to be able to afford Hopkins and they went out and drafted a guy in that same mold, not saying he's the same type of player, but he's got a chance to be. Um, I was looking at the, the production history of these players that are listed here. Obviously Justin Ross uh, has not had NFL production. Uh, so that's, that's a, a moot point where she rice as well, uh, but he's going to be a rookie in this chief system. And so, Maybe it'll take him a little bit to get up to speed. Justin Watson last year had 315 yards and two touchdowns. It was a kind of a big play threat and somebody they relied upon in this offense as a, a down the down the roster guy. Um, but they brought in what I think is a pretty underrated wide receiver addition in free agency. Richie James from the New York Giants last year, 569 receiving yards, four touchdowns. Uh, that's legitimate wide receiver production in the NFL in a much worse offense with a much worse quarterback. And I think this is a, an opportunity for a veteran receiver who's got some wiggle, as, as you would say, has some, <laughs> has some ability to get open in the slot, to make some plays on just any of the, the trick plays and other things the Chiefs like to do. Richie James can come in and do the McCole Hardman role uh, with a little bit of uh, – a little bit of other stuff mixed in of this group. He might be the safest bet to lead this group of four in wide receiver production this year. Yeah, no, I, I do like what I saw from Richie James uh, in his, in his play with the giants. And again, I, I think with the way the chiefs roster is constructed, there might just naturally be a spot for him and a guy like Kadarius Tony, who's often injured once he goes out. What do you know? Richie James might be featured in this offense because of of kind of the same abilities he can you know do that that Tony can. You know, Sky Moore can do some of those things, mm-hmm. but Sky Moore is more of a vertical downhill runner once he gets the ball in his hands, and and that's not what Tony is obviously. And, and Richie James is kind of in that same mold where they're going to make guys miss in space. And I think there are certain positions, certain roles in the offense the Chiefs have that that call for those different skill sets. I think you know, and and we'll we actually may talk about it here in a second, but just uh, real quick, you know, the sky more, you know, in comparison to, to you know, maybe like a, a Sammy Watkins in the past or a Juju Smith Schuster, these, these, you know, sky more is obviously not as big or bo- as big bodied, but these tough runners, these guys that are going to catch the ball and get downhill and put their shoulder down, you know, that's one type of receiver. And the other type, uh, you know, is the Tyree kill type that, you know, that we've seen. And, and obviously Tony, yeah, now, so, so. the running back after the catch, right. It's, it's the guys yeah. who, when they make the catch, they, they run like a running back. Interestingly, uh, that's one of the things people say about Rasheed Rice in, in the draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so same with Sky Moore. So I, I think you've got a couple of guys there with potential, with yak potential. But I might also lump them a different way and say that, you know, Justin Ross kind of has some of that. Um, you know, he, he's got a very specific way that he wins, right? Uh, when, mm-hmm. when he's on the field, uh, he's going up and getting it. He's, he's uh, outside, you know, down the field. 
you know, straight line type guy. Uh, who's the who else on the roster does that at this point? That that's Man. MBS. That's right. um, Justin Watson to some extent, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, it is. Even if Justin Ross makes the roster, I'm not sure that his skill set really diversifies what they have on the field already, uh, unless you've got a couple of major injuries ahead of, ahead of. Well, yeah, and that's that's always been the thing with the Justin Ross excitement is that unless you're playing as an X receiver in today's NFL, like on the field, like you're the starting receiver, yeah, they don't have backup, you know, traditional X receivers because you don't you can't contribute on special teams for uh, you know uh, most of the time because you're kind of a taller, you know, maybe kind of a slower, you know, not as change of direction, you know, kind of guy. You know, it's just it's just kind of one of those. It's it's a it's a more narrow uh, position in, in today's NFL. What what Justin Ross does, it and if so, you're exactly what you're saying. If he's not going to be on the field for offense, he's not going to be on the field for special teams. And then it's just hard as a depth receiver not contributing in anything else but offense. You know, you, you don't have much value to the team, and and that's where you don't make the team. So we'll we'll see though. We'll see. Let's get into this thing about what's a breakout season. What does that really mean? I think historically you would say, oh, this wide receiver broke out. He, he got his first thousand yard season like that. That in the past has kind of been the, the threshold to say, hey, this guy broke out. He's at or around the thousand yards. Um, but I would I would argue that the, the threshold for breaking out and I'm using air quotes here, breaking out for each of the Chiefs receivers is pretty different. Um, what do you think it means to break out and, and what's the definition for some of these guys individually? Yeah. So just in general though, at, at first, I just feel like breaking out doesn't mean that you had, you know, some, you know, some, some consistent playing time or that you, you know, that you were, you know, you played all 17 games and, you know, you, you played so many snaps and, and maybe had, you know, breaking out, it should be it should be it, it's it's almost like you know uh you know when you see it that kind of thing like yeah it, it should it should be like that like it should it should be noticeable it should be notable but you're right it does change for each of these players but doubling your performance for your production from the previous year is that a breakout season i i think i think that's a fair i mean you know because obviously you know i i think it's i think it's fair i think it's a fair little little guideline to go but off again for sure you go from 100 yards to 200 yards. I don't know if that's a breakout, <laughs> but well, hey, man, uh, you know, 200 yards, you know, Sky Moore had only, you know, had less than 300 yards last year and we feel, you know, he had, he made plays, right. He, he, he did some things. And, and so when you look at him this year, if he gets 600 yards, that's, that's, that's pretty good. Is that a breakout? Probably. Maybe it's it's hard to tell without knowing what the season looked like, you know, like, does he have a quiet 600? Then it may not be a breakout. You know, does he just play enough to where he just racks up 600 yards, a breakout? It it, it is again, it's just like when you, you know, when you see it and that's where it is kind of tough to, you know, just do it by the numbers, but they obviously have to hit some sort of benchmarks. What about, does it matter if we see it as a breakout or if the national media and, and fans see it as a breakout? What about this as a threshold? You've broken out as a receiver when people can start you on their fantasy teams. <laughs> so yes. It, you, yes, I like that. Not broken out if I can't put you in the lineup uh, on any given week, even as a streaming option, uh, and, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to win a fantasy game. 
in, in a 12-man PPR, if, <laughs> if you are not in a starting lineup, if you have not broken out, I, I, I think that's a pretty good rule because, you know, I first of all, 12-man, I mean, you get a lot of players. You're going you're going pretty yeah, deep sometimes depending on injuries. Um but I, yeah, I, I like that because, because, you know, especially skill, like receivers, it makes sense because, I mean, that's how you evaluate, you know, how, you know, uh, known people are, how, you know, uh, popular people are or receivers are, you know, yeah, so, fantasy is. So I like it. Let, let's start that. Let's start that rule. All right. So, Kadarius Tony, a breakout season for him this year. Um, Vegas says the over under is what, 630 ish? Mm-hmm. Um, total yards or, or receiving yards for him to me Tony's at the point in his career when a breakout is around that thousand yard threshold a- and somebody I can start on my fantasy team I, I would agree with you though I, I think he's already broken out in the extent that he's this dynamic playmaker that yeah if you get the ball in his hands defenses are going to be worried about him like no one is is denying that but he needs to break out now as that legit receiver you know, that, that wide receiver one or two, that that's, that's going to really, you know, make a difference week to week, you know, uh, kind of scheme dependent, you know, you can't really, you know, uh, take him out scheme wise. And he hasn't done that yet, but yeah, I think a thousand yards is definitely the, the benchmark there. I think you got it. All right. Justin Watson. What's a breakout season for Justin Watson. Is this, maybe he's a double last year performance type guy. He had 315 last year. So get him up over 600 and you're like, okay, this is a legitimate, receiving threat well yeah because i think for justin watson 300 yards i mean that's that's kind of a breakout in itself he wasn't really you know he was kind of a forgotten man um before and he was the third leading wide receiver on the chiefs last year and so yeah i do think he needs to significantly boost that to kind of you know take it to another level of breakout because i can't imagine starting justin watson on my fantasy team at this point but uh, (laughs) exactly exactly see yes that's the rule comes (laughs) The rule comes in clutch. That was not a breakout. You're right. That was not right. a breakout. Uh, MVS. MVS has been remarkably consistent in his career. He's had this nearly 700 yards per season, this, you know, four touchdown level. MVS, I, I think he's another one that you, until he hits over 1,000 yards, I'm not going to say he's broken out. I think he's, I think he is what he is. He's established. He's consistent. Uh, consistently inconsistent maybe in other ways but but he's not going to be any different than what he is now unless he gets over a thousand yards or in that ballpark yeah that's a i think he's a really good example of of this rule or kind of this thing we're talking about here because yeah he's he's a good player but he has not broken out and and i do think yeah you're right about a thousand yards you start him on your fantasy team no absolutely not yeah not unless you exactly. got a lot of injuries or a lot of bye weeks and you and you didn't plan ahead. Yeah. All right. Um, Sky Moore. This 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 is a good one. I would say you said three hundred and some yards last year. Yeah, that's he had three hundred total yards. So and, and a quiet and that's a quiet three hundred. Yeah. Oh yeah, it, it was first touchdown uh, scored in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, not a lot of you know notable plays throughout the regular season. Um, you know, I don't know. What do you think? Give me a number. The, tr- the tricky thing about this is that I mentioned Justin Watson was the wide receiver three in terms of yards last year for the Chiefs at like three, just over 300. So like Sky Moore projects to be the third wide receiver. 
I mean, you imagine he, he, he gets more than 300 yards. And, you know, a lot of that probably last year just get, got distributed so much amongst so many guys because there were a lot of injuries. Um, but, yeah, I, I'll go ahead and say 500. I think that's that's a good one. Yeah, I'd maybe set it a little bit higher for him, maybe six, 700. Because yeah. uh, otherwise he's going to be – He's going to be kind of what he is, like a not sure where he fits in, not not a number one, you know, maybe a future number two. I think we're going to have those same kind of question marks until he gets seven hundred yards or more. I mean, that yeah. and 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 shows shows some upside. All right, finally, let, let's just skip right to the guy. What does a Justin Ross breakout season look like this year for the Kansas City Chiefs? If on oh man, I wish I knew the date. If on whatever date the fifty-three man announcer, uh, fifty-three man roster is announced and he is on the roster, that is a breakout season, uh, in my opinion. Uh, you break out by showing up. I, yeah, I like it. you know he's. Yeah. I think that's that's a great point though because Justin Ross at this point is is a legend already. Um, <laughs> yeah, he and, is the definition of a legend. I think, and I think everybody is feeding into this. The Chiefs PR staff, they're putting out videos. Everybody's talking about it. Uh, you know, there's the clips. It, he looks better than ever. I mean, you have no reason not to believe in the guy uh, other than, than history. Uh, so, yeah, if he's on the roster, he doesn't have to have a lot of performance for it to be a very, very successful, exciting year for him. Something that gets people fired up about his long-term future on this team if he gets on the roster and has 250 yards for his season that's a lot I think that is a that is a massive breakout for for justin ross uh it, it's hard to say somebody broke out just because they made the roster because you know there's a lot of reasons people make a 53-man roster but but uh any kind of production anything and, and what i would yeah, and, and what I would say is if, if they did get squeezed somehow 250 yards out of him because somehow maybe there's some injuries he was he had to play um because of what we were talking about before, he just you know he has a he plays a pretty specific position. Trade him immediately. Um get as much value as you can for him as soon as that happens. Um, you know, I'm talking even if it's in- oh no, real life. Uh, I'm talking to Brett Veach here. Uh, I'm talking <laughs> If, if it happens early in the season and it's before the trade deadline, I'd move him right then and there. Like, I know this guy <laughs> looks like a, you know, like, you know, obviously he's, he's a, he was a first round pick at one point. So it's like, Oh shoot. Did the chiefs just find something? Yeah. I, I, I think if there's any sort of juice you can squeeze out of this, get rid of it, you know, or, or get the most out of it immediately because you know, you never know when that next, you know, I mean, injuries is coming down. I hate to say it like that. I, yeah. I feel terrible saying it like that, but I, I just, yeah, you're- you're horrible, Rod, but uh, I know. Uh, I know. Talk to a great person, Jake Wilson at Jake Farrell on Twitter. Nagy is a welcome addition to the coaching staff, but did he lose something? A skill set would be enemy's departure, specifically the bad guy Andy's good cop, but also the running back guru that developed Kareem Hunt and Isaiah Chico. Do you think the Chiefs are missing something now without the enemy? So I do think his first point. You know, there's some validity to the fact that this Chiefs coaching staff, you know, headed by obviously the the older Andy Reid, the you know the uh, you know the the calm calmer Andy Reid, uh, you know, at, at his age, 
there probably is a lot of a lot of good cops, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, you know a lot of good guys, a lot of friendly coaches, um, and and you know you can't have all friendly coaches. Uh, you know you need some you need some every once in a while you need someone to really you know get in someone's ass and um, just kind of you know that's what the enemy was you know and and I, I get that's what Jake's referring to here. They don't have that as as far as we know, but that's the that's the thing is is we don't know. <laughs> we, we didn't you know no one knew you know I. Unless you knew, you know, unless you knew the enemy from his playing days or, or whatever, you know, no one knew the enemy was going to be that kind of guy, you know, before he became, you know, who he was either. So that's the thing with, with the, the assistant coaching staffs is, uh, you know, it's not like these players where we're kind of seeing them develop and we can kind of watch their progress. We have no idea who these guys are until they become, you know, the coach, you know, the coordinators and the head coaches. And then we can finally see, you know, hear them talk and, and kind of see their, their philosophies and stuff. Um, but yeah. It, I don't want to say that uh, assistant coaches don't matter, but you know, if, you, if, you, if you look through this list of just go out to the Chiefs website sometime and look through the list of assistant coaches and think about how many of these guys have you ever heard of um, <laughs> and, and how many, you know, you think are have a voice that's going to outweigh or, or make a difference in, in a room with with Andy Reid, you know. I don't want to call out a bunch of a bunch of hardworking assistants here, but I, I right. Think, I do feel like, you know, Andy Reid probably gets a lot of credit for being a, a coach's player, right? Or a player's coach, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy who who speaks softly. But I think the players also know not to cross him. And I think he's got a little bit of that, you know, it gives you that look and maybe a little dag on it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and it's just enough. It's just enough that you know that you need to get back in line. Uh, I, so I don't know that they need – uh, a, a drill sergeant on this roster when it comes to the coaches anymore. Maybe they've already established the tone. Maybe they have enough veterans that can bring somebody back in line without the coaches doing it from a yelling and screaming standpoint, not to take anything away from what Eric Bieniemy has done in his career, but, but maybe this team has established a, enough of a culture that they can, you know, they don't need that. Well, what I would say is, is I would, I would, I'm pretty confident that they would miss that part of, of the enemy more than they would miss his uh, quote unquote running back guru ness. Um, and that's nothing on the enemy. It really isn't. But just look at what the Chiefs have done with the running back coach position, uh, you know, in recent years. They don't even use a running back anymore. They use a receiver and put him at the running back coach position. Um, and, and it's because the running back position in Andy Reid's offense is just, it's so simplified in terms of the run game. You know, the, trust me, I'm not saying anything about an NFL player's job is simple, but in terms of the NFL or in terms of the, the, the scheme, uh, the run scheme, in terms of how often they run just their standard inside outside zones, they rarely run, you know, creative, you know, gap runs, you know, they don't run these, these, you know, variety of pin pull schemes where they're pulling centers and guards. They, they, they really don't, they just don't. And when you don't do that, you don't really need a running back coach to tell them how to take the proper footsteps and the timing and stuff to, you know, you, you just need, you need them to know how to take a, you know, uh, uh, what's the word? Shuffle and click. I think that's what they used to call it. But all that to say is they don't have a running back in the running back coach's position anymore for a reason. They value teaching the receiving aspect of the running back position now. They'll they'll sacrifice any little tidbits from the the runner part of it uh, that they miss because of that um, because it's way more important that these guys uh, are are uh, advanced as a receiver. 
all that to say, the enemy, you know, it, that skill just won't necessarily be missed uh, because of that. Yeah, I got to wish him well. He's a, obviously a very successful coach and, and seems like uh, seems like a great person to have in your locker room. I think he's going to do really well in his new role. Uh, but it was probably not a bad time for him to move on with this team and, and the ability uh, that Andy Reid has to develop coaches might even be better than, than the enemy's ability to develop running backs. So we'll see how it plays out this season. Um, speaking of development, before we go, I just wanted to get a couple of uh, plugs in for Ron's work. Uh, Ron's got pieces coming out on two sophomore players, two second-year Chiefs that could be you know, breakouts, as, as we talked about what that means this mm-hmm. season. Anything you want to talk about with when it comes to – that we haven't already covered – when it comes to these two guys that you've just written about? Well, yeah, I, I think specifically in terms of, because uh, the thing I really wanted to touch on on these in these articles was just kind of, you know, what can we expect uh, these players to do in terms of the, the, the aspect of, of the, their position they can, they can excel at, or, you know, kind of what, what kind of plays should we expect these guys to be making? So with a guy like Sky Moore, I mean, think about it. This guy had huge hands, uh, 10 and a quarter inch hands. Um, he only had one drop in 42 targets last year. He was actually, it, he had the, one of the lowest drop rates on the team. Um, I think Sky Moore has a chance to be more of a juju replacement, uh, you know, maybe than it, than it seems on the surface. Uh, maybe to some people, I think, you know, uh, Sky Moore seems like maybe a shifty, the shifty slot receiver um, to some people, you know, on the surface, but, you know, he really is a, you know, a strong runner. We talked about that earlier. I think that's, that's one part of this, but Juju, the thing they may miss the most about him is catching over the middle. Uh, you know, those tough catches in traffic, you know, catching to the sideline. I have a clip on Twitter, but you know, Sky Sky's done some of that. Uh, so, so far uh, in his, in his young uh, NFL career. So I think Sky could, could kind of break out in the sense that, you know, he could, he could take some of that Juju role while also obviously just evolving overall as a playmaker um, but but the Chiefs do need someone to, to fill that kind of, you know, tough catches over the middle, um, just being a reliable catcher. You know, I, I, I think uh, Sky could do it. But Brian Cook on the other side, I, I really just feel like I'm super confident that he is the guy to start next to Justin Reed. You know, I think Mike Edwards is brought in as depth. But I think the thing you really like about Brian Cook um, is, is he was he was he was kind of uh labeled a box safety coming in at, uh, from the draft. But when you watch him last year, uh, you know, because he was used quite a bit as just a standard free safety, it's just kind of a simple way to get a guy like him into the, into the defense, uh, not ask him to do, you know, too complex of a, of a thing. He, he has some range, man. He gets going. He has some acceleration. He gets uh, to uh, different parts of the field in a hurry. The Bengals game and the, uh, the AFC championship have two great examples. Even though one was a flag, I still was very impressed with him getting there and, 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 uh, causing that interception if we all remember that uh mm-hmm. was called back so i'm super excited about brian cook i think he could be more i think he has uh multiple uh strengths as a safety you know i kind of uh in my head i thought of him as always maybe a, a tough box safety type that's going to be a good tackler you know is going to be a good blitzer but i think he has some free safety capabilities to kind of play over the top as well and and when you have you know when you can kind of do both of those things and all of a sudden you have you know, versatility in your safety group. You can interchange guys. You can be unpredictable. And so, yeah, I think Brian Cook, you know, I think if he can kind of, you know, uh, excel in his, in his starting snaps, you know, after only playing in the dime snaps last year, uh, he could be a, he could be kind of that next chief safety to, to kind of be excited about. Yeah. It's, you know, when you think of him as not, not to say he's forgotten, but he doesn't seem like somebody who, 
the Chiefs were relying on that much. He seems like a kind of a cherry on top uh, to the draft class last year. He's a second-round pick. And this was a significant investment in this safety position. They let Juan Thornhill go uh, with the confidence that Cook was going to be that guy. And he's shown enough flashes that, that I think I think Chiefs fans should all be excited about him this season. I do think he's going to be more of a full-time player. And they'll have some part-time uh, guys around him and, and some help here and there. But he might establish himself now as a, as a leader of this defense and – and really not only justify a second-round pick, but but really be one of the stars of that draft class, uh, even even considering that's a crowded group. Exactly. No, I, I think I like how you emphasized him being a second-round pick. I think it's easy to forget. I think you almost it, – it's almost like he's like a – I almost want to call him a third-round pick. He almost has like the aura of a third-round pick, right? <laughs> it's like – it's like it's funny. Like he, he doesn't – and maybe it's because Sky was taken in the second round before him, but – it is funny. He, he doesn't feel as high of a pick as he was. And, and you know, that should tell you all you need to know. And, yeah, I'm excited about his development. I think he's a guy that will be easy to root for, too. He's got that swagger that you like to see from your safeties. You bet. Well, it's probably as good a time as any to wrap up for this week. Um, we'll be back in the next couple of weeks. You'll hear more about this mandatory mini camp. And as this Chiefs team starts to come together on the field, we'll be a lot. they'll have a lot more reports about who's lining up where and who's winning what job. We'll probably talk about some training camp battles and other conversations as we go along, but make sure you like, rate, and review the whole Arrowhead Pride podcast network. Uh, Check out Ron's work and everybody on arrowheadpride.com. There's always good content up there year-round because the NFL offseason doesn't stop. And so we appreciate you spending some time with us today, and we'll talk to you again soon on the Out of Structure podcast. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.